harmony without having to political worry about down, you know, sending your kid to school, you know, and have their lives lost as a result of you know GOP's refusal to enact gun legislation. I mean, there are many things that you know I agree with and that I don't agree with uh, President Biden. But one thing for certain, this is a man who has empathy. Unlike the other guy, this is a man who respects the Constitution. Unlike the other guy, this is a man that wants to see democracy continue for a thousand years, as opposed to the other guy who wants to create an autocracy out of our country to line his own pockets. Plain and simple. And not only is he someone who has empathy, look, I want to say it. He is someone who has energy. He is someone who is very smart. I mean, this is where the media gaslights us, um, because people who watch the State of the Union, right, people who watch uh, the, uh, the the press event that just took place where, uh, where Biden gave that hilarious speech, people watch the commencement address that Biden just gave at Howard University. We see for our own eyes that he's sharp, that he's witty, that he's on his feet. I mean, in the State of the Union, which is a very well-scripted, you do not go off script in a State of the Union. And the MAGA Republicans acted so disrespectful during the State of the Union. You had Marjorie Taylor Greene like doing that and she dressed herself Liar. up in an outfit to look like a Chinese weather balloon. Like th this is the caliber of character in a mega Republican and they tried to yell at him to get in his head and he went off script during a State of the Union and got the Republicans to agree live not to cut Social Security and Medicare and got a standing ovation. Obama didn't do that. Clinton never did that. Trump sure as hell didn't come close. And it is this media narrative, though, where they promote Trump's craziness mm -hmm. and his insanity through a filter of that that's like acceptable behavior. So when someone acts like a freaking nut, when someone acts like they should be checked in to a psych ward and someone acts as deranged as that, that's not a positive character and attribute. The fact that Biden is composed and he thinks about what he's going to say and he acts diligently is a plus. And this is where the brigaders who, you know, who are watching this live now, the brigaders who watch this or listen to this on audio, we know that Biden's got it. And, and so what I think, though, the way to attack this problem, though, again, is a systematic kind of rethinking of the media, which is what we're doing here on Political Beatdown and the Midas Touch Network. Redemption. Factions. Exclamation point. Who was it that was saying that? Uh, just go by names. Um.
And as I've said, it's not a short-term plan. Fox and the right wing have been engaged in transforming media for the worse since the 1970s in a Roger Ailes memo during the Nixon administration. You know so, what's really funny, though, Ben? Think about this. Uh, and a few people wrote this, uh, you know, out of the just shy of 11,000 people. Can you imagine how epic the debate between Trump and myself would be for president, right? Those presidential debates. Could you imagine that? Fantastic. Fantastic. Be the kind of thing that you could put behind a paywall and make a billion dollars to fund your entire campaign because it would be epic. I would never allow him to get the upper hand. I would never allow that, like the CNN town hall where he just spewed lies. I would interrupt him. I have no respect for him. I would interrupt him, not calling him Mr. President. I would call him a moron. Sit the fuck down. And I'll say it on national (laughs) television because I don't give a shit. I don't need to be proper. I don't need to be. I'm not running for monarch. All right. I'm going to call it the way I see it. You're fucking lying to the American people. You know that you are. And at the end of the day, the way that the American people need to view you is the lying, unscrupulous dirtbag that you are. And you could sit there and spew all the fake accomplishments that you want. You didn't pass one single policy, not one fucking policy that benefited America. Yeah, it benefited the tenth of one percent, your friends, the ones that were filling your coffers, that continue to fill your coffers. do a goddamn thing for anyone in low middle class or even the upper middle class it did absolutely nothing and you know what there's going to come a point in time where you can't have 2,000 2,500 people basically controlling 85 to 90 percent of the wealth of this country without having some sort of a of a civil unrest you just can't because it is out of control. It's out of control when you have someone like an Elon Musk that basically buys Twitter simply to destroy it. That platform is the most ridiculous platform. It's a platform that I personally enjoy using. Now, every single bot has a blue check because they're being paid, right, that $8 a month in order to have a blue check. And they pay so long until they get blocked by the by you know by the platform and then they keep their money 
right? And then they just put it onto another bot and they keep using the same thing. There's no one with 12 followers who has been on Twitter since, say, 2019, right? They have 20, they have 20 followers and 12 people who follow them. I mean, this is a fucking joke, but yet what they do, they say all sorts of things and they try to change the conversation because for Elon Musk, spending that money didn't mean anything. He still has more than enough money to live the next 30,000 years. He is generational wealth and he doesn't care. And that's what's going on right now. All these Russian on social media. Trump bots is writing up all these Trump bots. are paying agit prop And a lot of that was also and a lot of that Twitter acquisition was also funded with foreign money as well and yep. people with links to Jared Kushner. I'll throw this out though, and we don't have to, to answer Kushner. it on this episode, but you know there there is a race in New York's third congressional district against George Santos, where huh. it would be great to see those types of debates as well. And as a stepping stone, hypothetically, for you as not well. Not that you need, not it's that, not yeah. My district. I, I would have to move to that Brooklyn, Queens area. Long Island. That's where I grew up. In uh, in where where I grew up. And uh, to disqualify Trump based on Fourteenth Amendment. Question mark. I'm running for president twenty twenty four. 
Would you guys please help me file to disqualify Trump from public office based on 14th Amendment? I've also encouraged my mom to run for that congressional district as, <laughs> as well, just anyone to run against Santos. But I want to show you this. This is, you mentioned Dan Goldman. So this is Dan Goldman, who Dan Goldman ran for Congress, um, won that seat. Um, rising star, I think we'll see Dan Goldman. I, I think he's probably eyeing that Schumer seat for Senate in, in 10 years, 15 years or so, and then probably broader political ambitions from there. But let me show you, Dan Goldman, former prosecutor out of the Southern District of New York, you know, just, if, you just, if, you, if you go through the backgrounds of these people, it's like uh, George Santos, his background was international criminal, lied, stole money from homeless veterans, Republican. Dan Goldman, former federal prosecutor, Southern District of New York, prosecuted major crimes. This was Dan Goldman today on one of these MAGA Prosecuted scumbags like George Santos. Every single year. Almost I want to be two per Dan day Goldman's mass shootings. Sorry, 600 mass shootings. Far more people. And we're supposed to be Talking here about vandalism. Give me a break. You can't even say, you can't sit here, Mr. Erickson. You were an employee of the Department of Homeland Security. And I want to get to that in a minute. You can't even acknowledge what your own agency said, that the biggest domestic terror threat is white nationalism, white supremacy. You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity, has overruled the FBI director. Who says, there's a headline, says Antifa's an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to the FBI director. Let's listen to, sorry, what's your, your title? Senior writer at Town Hall, who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong. And I'd like to yes. introduce, there's no question. Uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, by unanimous consent, an AP article saying the FBI director says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. Without objection, so on. Can I, can I this is, no, you cannot. I didn't ask the question. It's it's uh it's the gentleman's time. He can spend it anyway. Mr. Erickson, you went to a meeting at the White House on December eighteenth, two thousand twenty. Did you not? I uh, I'm not sure which meeting you're speaking. Huh. I mean, look, I was interviewed by Dan Goldman three times um, under the. House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And I have to tell you, um, I've been deposed by many people over the course of my lifetime, eight times uh, congressionally, and I can tell you he is by far one of the most prepared people that I have ever, ever made. I mean, I, there, are, there are some great stories when like, the like Republicans, uh, one uh, asked me in specific, he said to me, you know, um, do you go by any other name? And I said, Michael, Mike, you know, um, Cohen. 
you know, so he was like, <laughs> well, anything else? And I said, no. And then, of course, he decided that he was going to come at me real hard because you know how tough that they are, right? And he says to me, um, are you sure you know that this could be another 1001 violation of lying to Congress? I said, I am not what? known as anything else. Aha! And pulls out a piece of paper that one of his idiot, uh, you know, uh, legislative assistants must have found. Can you take a look at this document? And I was like, okay. Can you read the fourth line? And it said, Michael Hacking C-O-R. So he goes, do you go by Michael Hacking? Because they thought that I had hacked into some sort of, uh, you know, Republican shit or, or uh, something to do with, you know, the uh, Russian, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> the Trump campaign, whatever the hell it was. And I said, okay. That's not the proper name, but what it is, is I used to own Yellow Cab Medallion corporations in New York City. And one of my corporation names was Sir Michael Hacking Corp. And I said to him, you are aware, sir, that the term hacking does not necessarily mean computer related. It also means to drive a cab, hence the term a hack license, or they used to call them hacks, right? So with that, some of the other Republicans were sitting there just laughing, you know, at you know at them, uh, turning and saying, "Seriously, like you didn't know that, you know?" And uh, he goes, "I yield my time." And it's like <laughs> the point is, Dan Goldman is one of the most prepared that I had Funny. encountered, and every question that he asked was both pertinent and concise and i believe that he's going to be a great member of congress and one day uh, obviously uh, a senator you know when you heard him there talking about the gaslighting that is going on by the MAGA republicans and they're they're spending this is their second hearing talking about public urination in washington oh. dc they, they held another one of these hearings where they attack the mayor and they attack Washington, D.C., and uh, it, it's uh, utterly, utterly insane. But there is so much gaslighting taking place right now, though, not just from the MAGA Republicans, but from large media networks. And, you know, specifically right now, obviously, Fox and the right-wing echo chamber. But, you know, CNN has made this hard, you know, right turn or definitely a, 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 a turn in the wrong direction by becoming kind of MAGA adjacent, probably almost full MAGA at this point with a lot of their coverage. And it, it, it's so baffling to me, Cohen, because yeah. it's so obvious that if you told the if you tell the truth, if you support compassion, decency, that's where the audience is because that's actually where America yeah. is. And but they lean in, into this... In yeah, they I'm sorry, this, it's not it. crazy. Yeah, not not in this case, pal. All right, and again, this is what I was saying. If we agree with things six out of twelve times, it's why this program is so beneficial and important. Let me just give you a quick perspective on this. I actually believe that CNN did the right thing in having the town hall. Donald Trump, whether you like him or you hate him, Donald Trump will be unless something happens to him. All right. Donald will be the Republican nominee. And they would not be doing their job if they did not have a town hall that featured someone who is polling as high as he is 
in the GOP, and again, will most probably be the Republican nominee. They wouldn't be doing their job. Let me tell you where they made the mistake. And Caitlin Collins, I think, is great, and I think she did as good a job as anyone. The mistake was allowing Trump organization, well, I should say the Trump campaign, to dictate who was going to be in that crowd. They turned what should have been a town hall into a rally. And it was not a rally. It was a town hall that we were all watching. But it turned out when he said the most vile, disgusting fucking things that anyone could say, these assholes got up, stood up for him and applauded as if this is something that the American people agree with. American people do not agree with what he was saying. The American people do not agree with this group of assholes that they were brought in, probably paid by the Trump campaign to be there. They stood up and applauded the most vile, disgusting things that pisses off most Americans. And it's exactly why Trump will never win in a general election. But Cohen, aren't we basically saying the same thing? I mean, you're saying that that's a... You're saying it's a mistake, and and I'm saying not only do I think it's a mistake what they did, I think it was journalistic malpractice. I agree with you in theory. Could you do an interview, and could you do an interview the right way? But they did it the wrong way. But to me, it wasn't like a oopsie-daisy, we screwed it up. To me, they had a concerted negotiation with Donald Trump, where they gave Donald Trump everything that he essentially wanted. Mm-hmm. Trump then kind of made a mockery of him right before, mm-hmm. saying that they're desperate and all of these things. So in, in many ways, I don't think that you should not show him. I just think that you can report about it the way you cover it here on Beatdown and the way we talk about it here on the Midas Touch Network, because what it also does as well when Donald Trump is attacking sexual abuse victims and the audience is mocking sexual abuse victims, when Donald Trump is attacking our democracy, it really does, and in that platform with this Jerry Springer-style audience laughing at mm-hmm. it, it does exactly. cause a, you know, you have to have standards when you're in a position like CNN, and it does cause a level of distress and trauma in people who watch it in that format. That's why there is a responsibility that they have. And to me, I just think they're failing in their responsibility on execution and the slant to their coverage. Yep. Not that they, they can cover the event, but I think we're, we're saying similar things. Similar, very similar. But look, Caitlin Collins was, for the most part, ineffective because as she would say something or push back on Donald, The audience would boo her. They would cheer whenever he would say, as you just brought up, these vile things, you know, about a sexual assault in that case, using that platform, again, to promote um, his lies. I mean, I think there was like 140 lies told by him in just about an hour. I mean, this is really pathetic. And, you know, most people that I spoke to said I couldn't watch it anymore. Unfortunately, I had to watch it because we need to come back and report to our brigaders, you know, things that we know, um, that we know you would find interesting. But if the the problem that we have is that Chris Licht, CNN, never should have provided him with what looked to, to me at least like 100% of the tickets 
for attendance, and they got the worst of the worst to come there and to attend. The fact that you have women and men standing up and applauding him turning around calling her um, nasty, uh, you know, a nasty person, to have them stand up and, you know, jeer after attacking E. Jean Carroll, who just kicked his ass the day before, right, in the civil trial. Shame on them, all right? Shame on them. Couldn't agree more with you, Cohen. So I would give them got... the two middle fingers, but I already gave it to you, George Santos, all right? <laughs> so just as a reminder, fuck you. A busy day in court for you tomorrow, Michael Cohen, or for your lawyers and outside of court in that mediation. We'll report back to all of the brigaders on what went down on our Thursday episode when we go live on Thursday. Hey, everybody, do us a favor here. This is how you can help political beatdown. If you watch this only on YouTube, can you please subscribe as well wherever you get your audio podcast? So if you use Spotify or Apple or Google Play or Stitcher, whatever device it is that you use to listen to podcasts, search Political Beatdown, hit subscribe. That goes a very long way to help the show. Also, hit subscribe on our YouTube channel right here, the Midas Touch Network YouTube channel. You know, one of the things I saw when I was looking at CNN ratings is that actually their primetime rating, look this up on Mediaite, was about 300,000 people. So more people actually watch Political Beatdown right now than CNN than CNN prime time. So and please it make is... sure also don't forget to subscribe and listen and share with your friends. Mea culpa. It's super, super interesting. I have now Tara Setmayer that's on currently. Uh, we have some great guests. Ali Velshi coming up. Emily Jane Fox was just on. We have some really some great guests and it is insightful, just like political beatdown. So please subscribe to that as well. Get a copy of Revenge, Michael Cohen's book. It's out wherever books and audiobooks are sold, how Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. Check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the official Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility shirt. It's the Maya Culpa Podcast official gear and all other official Midas Touch gear at store.midastouch.com. Cohen, a great show. Thank you all to the Brigaders. Again, this was the most watched show on YouTube in the entire world during this hour. Thanks please to the Please also, Brigaders. lastly, please don't forget about the GoFundMe. That helps in order to pay for the lawyers uh, so that we can hold Donald Trump accountable in that Florida um, Southern District of Miami uh, federal case that he filed the $500 million lawsuit. Uh, he needs to be held accountable. And that link is in the description on the YouTube where you can help support the legal fees there and Michael Cohen's case against uh, Donald Trump. And so we'll keep everybody posted on the developments there as well. Thank you so much, Brigaders. Thank you so much, Midas Mighty. We love you. We appreciate you. None of this is possible without you. Again, spread the message about the show. Tell friends, family, coworkers, anybody you know, we would be so grateful and have a great as well is in this legal fees case. Right. It's not actually, in all fairness, it's not a, um, it's not taking place in a court. It's with um, an arbitration mediation company that employs uh, retired judges. We're so confident in this case because they've already acknowledged liability. This is merely uh, an issue on damages, uh, and we have all the documents within the uh, civil. Well, I mean, one, and only my
Michael Cohen. I know we got a lot to discuss, so I'm not going to do some long intro. Let me just throw it right to you right away. Michael Cohen, how are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there, as uh, I'd like to say. Uh, it's been one heck of a couple of weeks, a uh, couple of days, actually, since we all saw each other. But here's the interesting thing. Tomorrow is a very, very important day for, um, for me, for uh, lawsuits and so on. Tomorrow, interestingly enough, I have two things on. The first is in the $500 million Trump versus Cohen lawsuit filed by the Southern District of Miami, Florida. Tomorrow, there is a, um, there is a conference to, uh, to schedule uh, all of the discovery in this specific case. And of course, one of the things that we are asking for, and it's something that we would be entitled simply because Donald is the plaintiff in this case, is a deposition of him based upon this, you know, multiple count, nonsensical. You know, um, documents. So we're looking forward to that. On top of that, here in New York, and this is in the uh, civil division, in the commercial part, you're required to have a what's called a non-binding mediation prior to trial. And that trial is scheduled right now for July 24th of this year. It has taken quite some time for us to get to where we're at. That case was filed originally in 2019. And that's all on the legal fees and so on that Trump uh, owes on my behalf. So uh, to both myself as well as to other uh, law firms. So that is tomorrow as well. So there's a lot that's going on uh, in these two cases. And again, it's all about the word of the day, which is accountability. The man needs to be held accountable for his own dirty deeds. And with all of your help, we're getting there. I promise you this, we are getting there. So two big hearings tomorrow, of course, on Thursday's episode, you'll give us the full update. But let's break down for all the brigaders what these two cases are, just to remind them. So what was it, about a, a month ago or so? It feels like years ago with, you know, Donald Trump with the various things that go on. But he sued you for $500 million in the Southern District of Florida. He filed it in the Miami because one of the Trump tactics is to try to go judge shopping. Although you ended up getting a real law and order judge who actually follows the Constitution. Correct. Um, but Donald Trump did not want to go in front of Judge Middlebrooks in the Southern District of Florida in the West Palm Beach County Division because Trump uh, previously was sanctioned a million dollars there. You have filed a motion to dismiss one of the best legal documents I had seen, and the footnotes there were just incredible. Um, so Donald Trump has to respond to your motion to dismiss. 
in the next, what, 30 to 60 days or so. And now you have this big hearing where, for those just joining the show, you've announced here first on political beatdown, you will be asking for Donald Trump's deposition to be scheduled at this hearing tomorrow. Your lawyers will be. Yeah, amongst other people, and I want to remind you that I received the summons uh, and complaint I was served on April 19th. So we're not even 30 days in. And as of tomorrow, again, it's all about establishing the discovery plan. Uh, I'm very curious to see how Trump's counsel ends up tackling that, because we all know what a wonderful um, witness Donald Trump makes at depositions, especially as many of the comments uh, are coming in where, you know, it acknowledges, uh, I have truth on this on my side. You know, that's what's beautiful about, you know, defending that type of case. Unfortunately, uh, in order to hold Donald Trump accountable for his actions, as well as to hold him accountable for his own dirty deeds, uh, you know, it's going to take uh, legal maneuvering. And at the end of the day, there's no doubt in my mind that my counsel, Donya Perry, uh, as well as my Florida counsel, uh, Ben Brodsky, are far superior in terms of, or will be far superior and um, successful than Alejandro Brito, who represents Donald. And not because Alejandro Brito may not be a good lawyer. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. In fact, if I walk past him in the street, I don't even know what the hell the guy looks like. But what I can tell you, he does not have on his side, and that's truth. So truth, as Buddha has always said, right, the sun, the moon, and the truth will always rise. And in this specific case, as well as in the case of uh, the legal fees, also on for tomorrow, the truth will rise, and I will be vindicated in both. So there's the federal case in the Southern District of Florida. That's set for a discovery conference to set out the discovery plan among a number of things that are going to be discussed tomorrow by your counsel in setting a deposition of Donald Trump. Now, the other court appearance that happens tomorrow as well is in this legal fees case. Right. It's not actually, in no fairness, it's not a, um, it's not taking place in a court. It's with um, an arbitration mediation company that employs uh, retired judges. We're so confident in this case because they've already acknowledged liability. This is merely uh, an issue on damages. Uh, and we have all the documents within which to prove the damages that we need to. So we allowed them as well to pick the judge uh, who would, you know, be presiding over this. And again, it, it's non-binding. So, uh, and I'm sure the judge is going to do an absolutely judicious, um, you know, review of this case. I'm sure they're going to want us to reduce the amount, but there's a whole lot of money that's on the line uh, in this case. It's not a case of liability. It's merely, because most cases, as you know, Ben, are what's called bifurcated. That means there are two parts to it. The first is you establish the liability or the percentage of liability. And second, you talk about damages. In this case, they've already conceded the liability. This case is solely predicated on damages. And just so the brigaders know when you talk about the Trump side picking the judge, what you're referring to is in a private mediation setting. Uh, there are retired judges who act as mediators. Their recommendations 
are non-binding, but basically what takes place in these mediations if our brigaders have never been to one or don't know the way that process works is usually Cohen would be in one room, in this case Trump's lawyers of the other side would be in another room, and a retired judge would often go to the different rooms and try to do shuttle diplomacy to see if there's a settlement that can be reached. That happens essentially in all cases before they go to trial, but the stakes are particularly unique here with Donald Trump and you being involved. Do you expect him to be there uh, tomorrow? Or, no, or? so Donald is definitely not going to be there. I do believe that there will be a representative from the Trump organization there. I'm curious to know who it might be, uh, assuming they even elect to show up. But obviously he has counsel uh, here in New York, so that counsel will be present, as will my, uh, my attorneys. So as you rightfully stated, the judge will go back and forth between rooms, uh, hoping to mediate some sort of a settlement um, between the parties that would then get sent to the presiding judge, in this case, Judge Cohen, of no relation, and um, the case would then be more settled. Uh, there are benefits to, of course, uh, doing this process. First and foremost is if both sides agree, there is no appeal, as Trump is now uh, doing in the E.G. Carroll case. But at the same point in time, generally when you settle these cases in this type of a proceeding, uh, you don't have the benefit of getting every single dollar that you might be entitled to uh, because it's a mediation, right? You both agree uh, they pay more than what they want, you accept less than what you want, and you both move on your merry way. I don't see the settling knowing uh, the Trump organization and how they generally handle these things. This is a formality that must be had before trial. Um, it's in the commercial part, you have to do it, so we are doing it. Uh, you know, my expectation is that they will try to come in with some de minimis number, uh, thinking that that's going to ultimately resolve the matter, which I can assure you in the brigade, it will not. I'm just as anxious to settle this tomorrow as I am about having this thing go to a full jury trial in July. And the full jury trial, the presiding judge there, not the mediator, the presiding judge is Judge Cohen. And for the brigaders out there, that name may sound familiar. Judge Cohen is also the presiding judge in the Smartmatic defamation case against Fox. Um, and Judge Cohen just ordered very recently a broader scope of discovery that Smartmatic is able to have there after Dominion, uh, after the Dominion settlement for $787.5 million there. The judge took a look at some of the recommendations being made by a judicial hearing officer, which narrowed discovery slightly and then said, no, based on the findings and what's been uncovered in the Delaware case with Dominion, let's open that up. Um, uh, open discovery up for Smartmatic. Just uh, before we move on to the next topic, um, just remind our brigaders what this case over attorney's fees is about. Um, I know it's not, you know, I, I just want to remind them what we're talking about here. Yeah, so this is an interesting one because I was asked to do certain things uh, on behalf of Donald, and I did them. I hired lawyers uh, on top of that as a direct result of my employment, 
at the Trump Organization doing certain things uh, for Donald, at Donald's request for his benefit. Um, you know, I, I incurred on behalf of the request uh, legal fees. And you may remember uh, he just, as he so famously does, elected, you know, to hold back and hold back and hold back and then pay a little bit and keep them going. And then at the end, just deciding that he doesn't want to make any payments, uh, any further payments on behalf. And again, it amounts to some very significant dollars. So this is, again, it's merely a fee dispute. So you talked about accountability. You talked about the truth will set you free. I mean, look, your other podcast with the Midas Touch Network and Audio Up is called Mea Culpa, where it is not just your Mea Culpa, but also the Mea Culpa for a lot of other uh, guests who, who come on there, but where you share you know, these experiences and, and you own up to the experiences. Um, we're going to talk about some people who don't own up to their experiences in a little bit, like Rudy Giuliani, who was just sued in a, a disgusting, disgusting conduct is being alleged. I in mean, that can, you, can you not make this stuff up, Ben? I mean, I love how the GOP, on a regular and consistent basis, keep attacking Democrats with whether it's like Pizzagate or the cabal of um, pedophiles that are drinking the blood of young children in order to keep themselves young and all this other bullshit when in fact you have and i'm sure salty can throw it up there paragraph i believe it's 132 of this nearly 70 page complaint i mean this thing is vile look at what it says here he also asked miss dunphy that was his assistant if she knew anyone in need of a pardon telling her that he was selling pardons for two million dollars which he and President Trump would split. I mean, then there's a whole nother part here that goes on to talk about, uh, it was in a text message where he wanted to take a shower with her. I mean, yeah, look at this. Good morning, my love. Tried to call, right? Your, I mean, <laughs> your scotch is with me. I'll bring, I always told you, Rudy Kaluti, drunken Giuliani. Let me quickly shower. Can I shower with you? I mean, you know, you, you believe this thing need to shower, dress, uh, good idea, and put very modest clothes on, possibly burlap. First of all, who the fuck wears burlap? What's he talking about? I mean, burlap is like a bag. It's a satchel bag that you use for grain or weed or something. Like that. What the fuck is this idiot and a half talking about? I have no idea. In fact, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This all he has on his mind is his scotch. And if it's before three in the afternoon, it's his it's his wine. I mean, this is something the fact that look, when they took my documents, when they took my computers and my cell phone, and then of course my family stuff, which was irrelevant anyway, you didn't see these text messages to people, hey, can I shower with you? Come here, my love. I mean, this thing and they took a 10 million documents from me. Rudy is part of the problem. He is Donald Trump light, right? Like a Coke light in Europe. He's Donald light. He is absolutely repugnant as a human being. He is a fucking embarrassment, not just to the city of New York, where he was once considered such an impressive mayor or mayor, you know, to the world. He's a despicable human being. And in all fairness, 
I don't care what anybody says. A lot of people are saying now that there's a bunch of stuff about uh, Miss Dunphy that, you know, um, doesn't really add up and so on. What doesn't add up? Look at this text message. Look at, look at the shit that's in her complaint, like that paragraph 132, splitting fees for pardons. Could you imagine? So I guess the notion amongst these Republicans is that crime really does pay. Because right after that happened, I received a whole bunch of phone calls from various different journalists, all saying to me, hey, what do you know about any of this? Because there were some individuals who received pardons from the president that claimed that there was money exchanged and so on. And I don't know. I never asked for, I didn't receive pardon from Donald. I didn't pay or speak to Rudy about pardoning anybody. But there's a whole lot of shit that's out there, um, you know, written already by journalists and more that I believe is coming based upon the conversations that I have. But it is illegal. And it's not just illegal. I mean, as a president or the personal attorney to the president, it's unethical and immoral to sell pardons for money. I mean, this is out of control. And just think about how despicable the former administration was, especially in the fact that we had from Jared Kushner's own mouth when he turned around and stated that I was not involved and around for the January 6th insurrection because I was running the pardon office. I mean, that to me is amazing in and of itself. And I don't understand why that there aren't open investigations right now. Hello, Merrick Garland. Hello, Democrats. Where are the investigations into all of these matters? This is serious shit. When you could break the law and because you have money, you have the ability to buy yourself a pardon and, you know, basically exculpate yourself from the liability of the crime. This is not proper. This is wrong. You know, you mentioned all of the allegations that and conspiracy theories they throw at the Democrats, normal people. It's because it's 100 percent pure projection. You know, the way they try to attack the Biden family, of course, is because the Trump family is doing every single thing they're accusing Biden of, and a thousand times worse. I mean, you just mentioned one of them. Jared Kushner was in charge of the pardon office. How, wait, wait, how did this happen? Where did this come from? How? I mean, he was the secretary of everything. The guy ends up, he has no, he has no right to be in that. There are people that worked these pardon applications for years, for years. It's not like you just file it and all of a sudden you get it. Bullshit. That's not how it works. In fact, there's even stuff about Rudy telling Miss Dunphy that the only people that she should refer him are people who do not already have existing applications in, because if they did have those applications in, that they would have the ability, that others would have the ability to FOIA request those documents. You could already see the underhanded, sneaky deceptiveness. And as I've said for so long now, what you were referring to, Ben, is by the Trump administration and others, it's called deflection. Put on to others the crimes or the improper things that you have done and shift that to somebody else. That's what it's called. It's deflection.
And then look who's running the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. I mean, you got people like Jim Jordan running the House Judiciary uh, Committee who covered up sexual abuse allegations in his prior job. You've got James Comer running the House Oversight Committee who was accused of his ex-girlfriend of serious abuse and of bringing her to an abortion clinic and then yelling at her and screaming at her for using her real name. I mean, these are the individuals, the hypocrisy uh, and the criminality and the disgusting conduct. Here, turn to paragraph 138. For those saying, oh, whatever the, you know, whatever the tactic is of Maggot to try to attack the victim, I mean, look at pa paragraph 138 of this complaint against Rudy Giuliani. On February 23rd, 2019, Giuliani told Ms. Dumphy that he could get in trouble with underage girls if they were 16 but looked 20. This conversation was recorded. During the same conversation, Giuliani discussed work-related issues with Miss Dumpy, including reimbursement of the hotel she booked on February 14, 2019. As his assistant, she arranged for his dry cleaning orders. That goes on to describe just you know disgusting sexual abuse that he engaged in uh, as well. But like we also saw the way he behaved in that. What was it? That Borat movie. Borat in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what he did in the movie with freaking Borat. You know, and th this is this is who they are, Michael. Perverts, pigs. I mean, you know, major deflectors when it comes to all of this nonsense. Look, you know, for them, it's sort of like the old monkey see, monkey do. Donald can do it, therefore they can do it, and because they do it, the next one does it. There, look, this bullshit with the GOP has to come to an end. Uh, it has to come to an end because at some point in time, the, their constituents, their voters, their, you know, sycophantic acolytes, they have to turn around and say, I need to care more about the United States of America. I need to care more about the Constitution of the United States of America. I need to care more about the future of the United States of America than I do about appeasing this party of one, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's going to be Ron DeSantis or anybody else. This nonsense has to stop. They have to try. They, they have to put the country before party. This party is completely out of control, completely out of control. And I don't know if you saw this earlier today. This is George Santos fresh off being criminally indicted out of the Eastern District of New York on 13 counts. By the way, very detailed criminal conduct that he engaged in. He also pled guilty in Brazil. He is officially a convicted felon in Brazil for his conduct that he engaged in there, where his mother was a caretaker for an elderly individual and Santos stole the checks to buy himself sneakers and then fled from Brazil. And this is an individual who's on the House floor. You don't hear MAGA Republicans even even saying anything negative about him. This is what he just said before we went live. Go and play this clip. It is with great dismay but complete confidence that I say that the weaponization of the United States prosecutorial system is spinning further out of control, and it is time we take a stand. It shows when we have a national crime crisis failing 
by the wide wayside because political motivated campaigns designed for nothing other than retribution on political agitators keep getting in the way of our leading law enforcement officials who refuse to prioritize the American people. With each passing year, it is becoming increasingly obvious that the CCP is accomplishing its goal of infiltrating the United States indigenous and all, all the while perpetrators, the real threat to the American people are let out on the streets and harmless political targets remain behind bars with justice denied. Mr. Speaker, I speak for every American when I say we are done tucking our tails and being at the losing end of every trade-off with the CCP. They take our jobs, use our technology, and steal our intellectual property. And it is turn we get robbed, spied, and deadly viruses. Enough is enough. Three miles long. I yield back. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Missouri. Three miles long. Look, you know, it appears like in every one of these shows, I have to give them the old political beatdown cheer. So this one today goes out to. George Santos, Anthony Devolver, or whatever name he wants to go by. And I'm just going to use George Santos for simplicity. Hey, George, fuck you, you stupid scumbag and a half. All right? The fuck are you babbling about, you asshole? Tuck your, your tail in. And so let me tell you something. You're a lying piece of shit. All right? You've stolen money from just about everyone you've come in contact with. And you think that you have... it sickens me that this lying scumbag piece of shit who stole money from people, right? I mean, created a GoFundMe for purposes of, of dogs or, or for that, for a veteran, stole that money too, that this guy is standing up wearing a congressional pin on his lapel, all right? Of course, along with an AR-15 on the other side, this ass clown, thinks that this is all funny, that this is fun and games, that he's now going to announce as well that he's running again. He doesn't have a shot in hell, all right? He could run against a dog. He could run against a cat. He could run against a fucking empty beer bottle and still lose the election because no one wants him. He is a lying piece of shit who has basically robbed lied, cheated, and stolen his way into Congress. And shame on McCarthy and others for allowing him that pin, because that pin is a representation of the United States of America, the people that we elect to represent us. And rest assured, as bad, and they, many of these members of the GOP, from Marjorie Toilet Green to the Josh Hawley's to the Mackey's, they're really bad people. I'm not sure that any of them are as bad as George Santos. An entire life criming, and basically, he, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, they're the face of the GOP today. Like, that's actually where the power is. Um, that's not hyperbolic, that's just the reality. But let's compare George Santos, MAGA Republican, to a Democratic freshman. Jared Moskowitz from Florida, superstar. This is what he had to say today. Play this clip. I know you got stuff going on. You're trying to find, you know, the fake informant that you now has gone missing. I know you're busy with that. You know, but I'm hoping that perhaps the Oversight Committee, if they're so worried about, you know, federal overreach, 
perhaps they can start, you know, being focused on real government oversight. And with that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gillen yields back before I recognize uh, Ms. Bobert. With respect to the missing informant, uh, just so you know, just to clarify, the, the Grassley whistleblower is alive and well. Chair, recognize Ms. Bobert. They treat it like it's a game. I just yeah. want to let the, the Grassley whistleblower, the other informant, is missing. That was the new thing, right? That uh, so, James James Comer uh, had said for you know two weeks now, three weeks, and then he did this the week before that as well. That there was this whistleblower that had all the super secret information that was going to bring President Biden down, and then the New York Post and all of Murdoch's properties, all of the front covers, Joe Bryden. You know, Joe Biden engaged in misconduct, says whistleblower. Miss whistleblower missing. And then when the whistleblower goes missing, because it never existed in the first place, what does James Comer do? He, like, laughs at it. Like, he laughs in our freaking faces. And then what does the media do? If you're not watching Political Beatdown or the Midas Touch Network, they just, like, move on. They just move on to the next topic, and Americans feel gaslit. You know, the... The law and order, pro-democracy Americans who watch this show, who watch the Midas Touch Network, we see for our eyes what's going on. And the frustration is when we see, and you mentioned this earlier, Cohen, that like uh, Donald Trump held this weekend at Trump Doral in Miami a QAnon festival. He held a QAnon festival where there were people who called themselves prophets who say the biggest issue facing America is technologically advanced mermaids. That's what yep. they were saying at this event. Yep. And then the media is like, a very traditional campaign he's running. Yeah. You know, look, let's also take a look at another Democrat freshman, Ann Goldman, from New York. I mean, compare the two of them. It's the difference between day and night. It's between the heaven and, you know, the, the sky and the earth. There has never been a comparison to someone like a George Santos that is on any scale other than 100% different. There, Dan Goldman was appearing before this uh, Jim Jordan committee as well, the weaponization subcommittee, and so, and he tore into them by talking about how the weaponization of the Justice Department was basically created by Donald Trump. And he used me as an example when he said, the guy went so far as to have his attorney general, not even, it wasn't, it wasn't even anything that I knew. It was there waiting for an ankle monitor despite charges that I shouldn't have even been charged with that we all know that I talk about throughout my entire book, Revenge, but they then re-incarcerate me because I refuse to waive my First Amendment constitutional right. And Dan Goldman goes after them and says, you can't start with just your allegations or beliefs as it relates to the Biden family. What about the Trump crime syndicate? What about the fact that Jared Kushner's out there selling pardons? Jared Kushner opens up a hedge fund with $2 billion from the Saudis, despite the fact that the Saudi Investment Authority Finance Committee unanimously, unanimously determined that he is unfit to run their money. So what do you think 
made Mohammed bin Salman decide to give up $2 billion to Kushner? Seriously? And what about all of the other shit? Ivanka getting a whole bunch of Chinese, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, trademark rights after when Trump became, you know, president or even Kushner's sister jumped in onto the action when they were selling EB-5s to China and they went there in order to talk about the company that she was working